Welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello everyone, I'm Jack Ricks, Top Gear magazine's editor-in-chief, joined by Rowan Horncastle, Top Gear's head of content, and Ollie Q, uh, Top Gear's deputy editor. That's a new one. Recently for promoted. Regular, recently promoted. I was waiting for a round of applause or some sort of cheer, and I realised it was just us. I'll just in a room. set off this party popper by myself. Yeah, there we go. He's 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 grinning, and it's well deserved. Right. So this episode, we're talking about the new issue of the magazine, issue three seven three, which is our big Lamborghini celebration, as we say on the cover of the magazine, celebrating sixty years of wedges, wings, and scissor doors. There's a little bit more to Lamborghini than that, but um, that's, the bit really, the, that's really it. They're, they're it? the bit that matter. They're the bits that matter. <laughs> the bits that matter. Um, but before we get into all of that, into the into the mag and what we've been up to, um, what have you been up to, uh, Rowan? Well, I've, take it away. I've actually it's taken a long time, but I've finally driven the new Range Rover. Oh well done. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I've, I drove the Range Rover Sport. I still haven't driven the new Range Rover, but I did drive the Range Rover Sport. Why have we France not been able back. to get around? I, th- I think they've just been trying to got, get them out of the factory to the yeah, owners. 250,000 orders they need to fulfil. They can't lend ones to the likes of you, mate. Well, I managed to get in one because we've recently acquired one on the Top Gear uh, fleet as the part of the garage section. Um, I'm not running Ollie Marriages, so I, just, I drove to his house on a Sunday and robbed the keys. And he <laughs> doesn't know when he's going to be back. Exactly. <laughs> no, he was actually cleaning his chickens or his bicycle, one or the other. But um, it, it's really quite interesting because it was at the LA show two years ago. I think mm. I first sat in one. And um, just the, you know, the, the, the rate of progress that's happening in the car industry. Uh, and I spent a lot of time in the new Defender, and there's a lot of similarities. But um, there's just something about a Range Rover. Uh, that just makes them magical. And I went down to the English Riviera, down to Devon, where it just fits in perfectly because it's green with the lovely cream seats and it's the long wheelbase autobiography, so you can't get much bougier than that, basically. Um, but then you have to give it some benefit of the doubt because um, it has some JLR quirks to it. Um, uh, has it the, broken down? Did the infotainment system crash continuously? Uh, the door handle came off in my hand. Ah. Uh, the they all do that, sir. indicator is currently running uh, the repeater like a psychotic metronome, uh, which is quite... Uh, an impression. Constantly. <laughs> the snare drum. Yeah, and, uh, and yes, the, 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 um, all the controls in the door failed at some point. But that's okay, because it's a Range Rover. No, it's not. It's not <laughs> okay. This is why the English-British car industry has been allowed to get away with mediocrity for ages. Because the Range Rover go, oh, it's got lovely, lovely character. I loved it when I opened the boot and it fell off and landed on my toe. <laughs> But you forgive it. It's the same way that I've fallen in love with caterums. Is that it's got a personality. It's got flaws. It's human. But caterum isn't one hundred and ten, twenty grand or whatever that car is. Yeah, what but is a caterer doesn't massage your seat either. So it massages <laughs> yeah, your ass. That's, but, a good um, point. that's a good point. So, so while you were doing that, I was driving the Range Rover Sport for the first time, um, which carted me. Uh, my wife, two kids, uh, and a friend of the family. So five of us, three adults, two kids, uh, off to... <laughs> Stowaway somewhere in the... <laughs> yeah. How many seats does this one have? <laughs> uh, yeah, they, just the five seats. It was a bit of a squash in the back, but I wasn't in the back, so it's fine for me. Um, and it was absolutely marvellous. The last few times that I've driven to Normandy, we've done it in an electric car, and we've basically been queuing up at a service station with all the other holiday makers trying to charge up. 
Um, this was a V6 diesel, 600 miles on the tank. And I, I wouldn't call myself an EV evangelist, but I'm certainly behind them. I'm rooting for them. Um, but this was just effortless. Did the whole thing in one hit. Didn't even get out the car. Um, Isn't it so good seeing a range like that nowadays? It's the anti-range anxiety. It's like 600 miles. 600 miles. I and if stopped- it runs low... I'll be back up and running in five Do minutes. Do 600 more. 600 more. But the Range Rover, I don't know, does the Sport have full, um, full steer? Yes. Yeah. But is it as aggressive as the Range Rover? Why does something like that give me such pleasure? Like, the <laughs> amount of rear wheel steer, looking at it in the rear view mirror is one of... The, Life's great pleasures now. The yeah. listeners won't notice, but when Rowan came in today, he was genuinely excitedly telling me about parallel parking a Range Rover. That it's, was his anecdote for the day. It's well, the size of a canal, but if you live in London, you know, it's, it's, it's the most important driving skill you can have, you know. Uh, but like you said, when you first drove it, it, everyone thinks that you've broken the rear axle <laughs> on it somehow because it's so aggressive, but it makes such a difference, such a difference. But um, uh, we've got the hybrids and... Um, it's, it's saying 60, you get about 50 miles EV range on it, which is all you need around town. Yeah, Put yeah. it in save mode. I love it. It, it. It's perfect for it. Stuff like the noise cancellation, if you've got a pair of Apple AirBuds or pods, whatever they're called. Oh, they're trying to cancel each other. Two wrongs well, make no, a right. No, I was expecting that. I thought the Range Rover would be super serene. And I know I've talked about it in the like last six podcasts. Yes, the BMW i7. <laughs> it has completely changed the game for luxury. Who had five minutes into the Rome podcast on the i7 suite by the BMW i7. But I got on the Range Rover and I was like, oh, God. Like, the bongs are a bit aggressive and you want to hit the brake and the door to close behind you. You're definitely getting old when you find a, a Range Rover a little bit of an assault on the senses, isn't it? That's it's a, a bit, bit noisy. Oh, it's a bit much, those bongs. It's very nice. You used, anyway. to, you used to drive caterums to Scotland. And yeah. not even <laughs> I, will still do, I will still do that. Anyway, Q, what have you been up to? I've been being baffled by the Maserati configurator. Have you been on it? Oh, we, yes, we did this in the office. This was great. This was, right. this was four so hours. For the, the uninitiated on, on listening to the pod now. So a configurator, if you're not aware, a lot of car manufacturers, you go on their website and you can like visualize the car you'd like to buy, how you'd want it. So you can choose like your wheels and maybe the seat leather color and the paintwork. And the really, really good ones are like Aston Martin and Porsche because they're super detailed and you can change the stitching or the tint of the carbon fiber. And it's terribly, terribly good fun. I can't believe I'm going to say this in front of my boss, but basically when you're pretending to work when you're procrastinating car configurator oh it gets no better sorry jack anyway (laughs) (laughs) we've actually got a a regular section in the magazine called can't buy taste where you do one very good spec and one terrible spec yeah just to show that the absolutely gloriously silly ways you can spec a car anyway i was looking up the maserati grecale not the most memorable car of the year so far but this is maserati's very very important new porsche macan audi sort of q5 rival it's a mid-size suv and if you went onto the configurator earlier this month you could select something called hang on italian pronunciation fans fury fury siri fury, fury go fury, via sorry. google hang on i've got the translation here fury serie fury serie pretty much fury fury serie, which yeah. is Italian for custom built. So this is like tailor-made colours. That hasn't come up on my Duolingo yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So if you're thinking, I'm going to go Italian, my next car choice, then you think, oh, I might like one of these colours. So as standard, you get the car in white or bianco. And then there's these metallic colours. Fine. Then there's the Furi Serie. They're like £20,000. I'm sorry, but the Gricali, the standard car, is 61 and a half grand. That's for the base spec. And you can then put a £23,000 
livery. Normally, you it. have to know the CEO personally, and it has to be a, a completely bespoke paint job. But this is on the configurator. Yeah, yeah but not that. It's the price, which is the shocking no, I know, thing. I know, I know, but, but something but of that level to just be like, it doesn't make you feel very special to drop 20 grand on a paint job that is just a, a button click. Yeah, I'll have that one. I mean, yeah, there is that, but it's Add just... basket. The, the proportion of your car that should the proportion of its value that should be optional extras should not be more than 10 percent. if you're spending 60 grand on an suv and 23 grand on top on paint so what's special about this this furzuri uh what it is is that they have swabbed the mona lisa harvested (laughs) leonardo da vinci's dna brought him back to life and he hand paints your car yeah. That has to be the only way that I'll they can still justify only pay 10 grand for that. spending twenty three grand on paint. And I was already to get fully tucked into this and the fact that if you go on the uh, Gran Turismo Trofeo configurator, the Fury series colours are there and the, the you know you, they're called things like vintage ochre and giallo cosa and it's all terribly evocative. For two seconds here. They don't even look good because they only paint half the car with your twenty two grand. But yeah, if you spec one of the liveries, yeah. The livery on the on the Gracale, let's have a scroll down here. So the Livery isometric Nero, which is basically having half the car, yeah, like not painted. It's eighteen thousand nine hundred pounds. <laughs> I just find this outrageous. We um, need to get some. We need to get some stats on how many of these paint jobs they're actually flogging. Well, this because... is the thing because I was already to get all tucked into this and list you some prices. But in the time between me noticing this last week and us recording the podcast today, Maserati has deleted the prices <laughs> from the website. They're onto us. They they obviously saw a spike in web traffic coming from the Top Gear office and thought, "Hello, they're about to take the mick. We'll delete all this." But anyway, uh, too late. If you want to amuse yourself when your boss thinks you are working, go to the Maserati website and see how much they will rip you off for some paint. But also you can see uh, the results in the trending section of the, the current magazine because, uh, yeah, Ollie Q's very hard work of just endless it, hours it, on the configuration. It's essentially, it's about 30 to 35 words of writing, which um, Ollie seems to, to make last for two, three days. I mean, deputy editor, you've got to take it seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dedication to the craft. Right. Let's shall we get, get into the issue? Let's get into the issue. What shall we talk about? So, the first thing we should say, um, uh, Lamborghini 60th anniversary special, um, the big, the sort of marquee feature um, is this uh, incredible mid-engined V12 Lamborghini group test. So, so uh, Tom Ford got the the sort of ticket of a lifetime really got to go to italy and play with the entire heritage fleet so everything from miura to aventador uh, they even rolled out a revuelto um for, for for a photo op we've done a completely separate podcast on that one so make sure you check that out on the top gear magazine podcast feed and listen to tom ford telling us everything that you could possibly want to know about that day. It was the ultimate red letter day <laughs> for anyone who's into Lamborghinis or cars in general. Yeah. When and I read course. it, when I read it, like on days like these, was yeah. actually playing in my head in the background. <laughs> it just automatically goes on. Although, like I, could, a day. I couldn't hear that because my head was down the toilet being sick with jealousy. And the whole <laughs> sort of just hearing it. And all. of course, Wookie tried to claim, oh, it was really busy and it was <laughs> a bit hot and I had 18 cars to drive. No, um, it, it, it was a fantastic day. Please, if you've um, ever dreamt about owning or driving or even being near one of these Lamborghinis, these are the big, hairy, proper Lamborghinis. Oh, yeah. And also, fair play to Wook, because 
given presented with that situation a lot of people would come over all polite and go oh well they're all brilliant in their own way Wook picks his favorite and i think always always fair play applause to someone who you know nails their colors to the mast and yeah. comes up with a verdict rather than saying i like them all this is yeah. no school sports day yeah, and you won't believe which one he picked. <laughs> da da da. Uh, it but, was... no, just so, you, so you can go in the feed. The choices that he has, so you can start you oh, know, right. wetting your whistle to, to work out what Lamborghini is your favourite. You've got a Mura, a Countach, <laughs> Mercy Largo, <laughs> no, Mercy Largo, Aventador, and the Rivuelta as well. So. Pick your favourite. Yeah. Listen to that episode and then let us know what you think. Yeah. Rip, rip the pages of the mag out. Um, blue tack them to your bedroom wall. Um, it's proper poster stuff. Right. Then we get into um, there's the, the Top Gear Guide to Lamborghini, which is which is lots and lots of different bits, lots of fun. You know, how to get that um, crisp, fitted, Stefan Winkleman look. Uh, important information, this. You know, memories. We bring back the cool wall. Return of the cool wall. Um, controversial. Controversial. We've got uh, Lamborghini's unsung heroes. So these are the cars that, you know, you probably haven't heard about, but they're all important in the in the history of this company. A scathing review of the new Lamborghini film. Has anyone seen it? I saw the trailer and I wanted to pull my eyes out. It, um, so, yeah, I haven't seen it. It's very, very funny. And um, VJ had pretty much the same reaction, but actually watched it all the way through because he had to. But talking of films, actually, just not to cut you off, we also sent um, Sam Phillip, the script editor of the TV show, um, to see his first ever Fast and Furious film, <laughs> didn't we as well? <laughs> Fast X. He's managed to avoid it for nine iterations, and on the tenth one, VJ got his hooks into him. Zero and... context, Fast yeah. X. I mean, <laughs> is he currently in rehab? What <laughs> happened to him? He's in a sensory deprivation tank somewhere, <laughs> trying to work out what the hell happened when that car came out of a skyscraper. Okay. But, it's um, very amusing. He said every time there's sort of a semblance of plot, there's another explosion and then it all just sort of resets. Yeah, again. I think my favourite line from that was he enjoyed Vin Diesel and his facial expression. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> withering film criticism there from Sam. So yeah, head to topgear.com for that and check out the mag for yeah, VJ's critique of the, um, uh, of the uh, Lamborghini. The, Lamborg- uh, the headline for that one. Biopic. Disaster movie, which uh, I quite enjoyed. <laughs> Splendid stuff. Yeah. What's next? Oh, well, you then, well, to keep the Lamborghini theme, you've been driving a Lamborghini, a new one, and a new Lamborghini for Lamborghini. Something yeah. completely uncharted. Exactly. So this is the, the Huracan Serato. So hopefully you're all aware of this. It's the sort of the latest in this line uh, of off-road supercars. So obviously Porsche, um, apparently, with, with no knowledge and no collaboration between Lamborghini and Porsche on this one, recently launched their 911 Dakar this is the same sort of formula it's a Huracan that's been jacked up and toughened up to be not an off-roader but but a rally car so it's designed for loose rough surfaces and going very fast um, and very sideways we first saw a concept I think it was back in 2012 as far back as 2012 I don't know didn't a YouTuber do a concept by just making one anyway (laughs) and then just getting millions of views lots of people pointed out in the comments of the the YouTube video yeah oh they're just copying this YouTuber who did it and to be fair I mean the formula isn't you know it's not rocket science it's uh, knobbly tyres raised suspension tougher suspension underbody protection because you're going to be having rocks and all sorts of stuff pinging off the bottom 
Spotlights. Get them spotlights. on the spotlights. I'm, I'm the here spotlights for the, the spotlights in front of that thing. They are so incongruous mm. and such an afterthought. Yeah. That, to me, is what makes and it the roof rack. look really cool. Yeah, the roof rack, which is actually, you put anything on it, it fouls the snorkel in the back of it. But but it's... Uh, yeah. Um, so, so it looks cool. Um, anyway, where did you drive it? Where did I drive it? We drove it in the Californian desert. So it's a, a racetrack called Chuck Waller. Um, which is, is nice. Just, <laughs> Chuck, Chuck named is a lovely guy. Um, no, but but what makes it interesting? It's it's a brilliant track. It's just dropped out of the sky into the middle of the desert. So there's no runoff areas. There's no barriers. It's just a ribbon of tarmac surrounded by sand. So what Lamborghini did was turn it into a rallycross circuit. So brilliantly, you drive half the tarmac track, and then literally there's a, a sort of um, a series of cones directing you to just drive straight off the side of the circuit, at which point you're sort of led into an, an off-road track that they've marked out all the way back, loop back round, rejoin the tarmac. You had to do a sort of an emergency stop on the brakes to shake some of the sand out of your wheels and then half a lap of the track and then back off into the sand. It was brilliant fun. And now so much fun. You are Top Gear's off-road supercar mm-hmm. correspondent now, having yep. driven the Dakar and this. When you drove the 911 Dakar, you mm-hmm. were saying that it felt like bulletproof tough, mm. that it just it could take that abuse all day. Yeah. Did the Lamborghini feel a bit fragile? No. It felt really, really tough as well. But Lamborghini were quite... It was quite interesting the way that they, they're they fully aware of the 911 Dakar and what it's capable of. And Porsche actually launched the 911 Dakar in the sand dunes in Morocco. There was no messing around. We flew into Morocco, they gave us the car, and you were off into really deep sand, really quite harsh environment for the car. No and cones, they, marking you. No Where'd cones. You go? There were no cones, just just rocks and bushes and, and sand dunes. And they were very keen to prove that, you know, this car's heritage is built on the Dakar rally and it can handle as much abuse. Lamborghini is saying, yeah, this is a very fast rally car, basically, but it's also really fun on track. So that's why they wanted a bit of tarmac racetrack as well as the off-road stuff. And yeah, they're not wrong. It was it was really good on the track because you get this, um, it sort of leans, it rolls over and just sort of just rotates into oversteer because you've got these knobbly tyres so you haven't got as much traction. It's just perfect for a racetrack because yeah. you fall off, fine. It it's okay, matter. go off you the black off stuff into r- the gravel trap. Nah, I tried to do that, mate. It's a Dakar. <laughs> you, not a Dakar, a, a, a Storato. But 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 you've got I just I'm honestly I'm blown away by this this whole formula is just me. Like I love it. It's it's silly. It's not about you know hitting the perfect line around the corners, you know, getting your braking point absolutely spot on, you know. I find it I do find you know lapping very serious um cars around racetracks a bit too serious. You know, I like I like just mucking around. Just There's no downforce around. claim for this car. Which no downforce claim. Yeah, um, and so it's just it's just a big silly thing that wants to go sideways ever uh, everywhere, and it's doing all the things that a Lamborghini does. So you've still got your naturally aspirated 5.2 liter V10, 600 horsepower, makes incredible noises, fantastic gearbox, you know, really sharp steering, you know. So it's it's got all the supercar feels. And then it's just doing silly, silly stuff. But also, your driving confidence on dirt was mm. sky high because there was, uh, well, a bit of luck, really. We were out in America filming off-road for two weeks beforehand. Yeah. So if, if you haven't done it before, 
just go and find a field, just find some loose surface. You, 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 you lack confidence to start with when you're on gravel or dirt or something, and it slowly builds as you realise that what cars can do and you're all right. Jack was somewhere he'd never been before with his confidence for this one, as we'd <laughs> been in, I could say, Raptors and various other bits in dirt, and California is just awesome. Like, the, the Storato makes sense there, because if you're rich and live in LA, fine, Put your GPS in, go two hours into the desert, and you can just drive as fast as you like off road. Yeah. yeah, they uh, have these. What are they called? Oh, OHVs. OHV areas, which um, you have to get a permit, right? To, to yeah, go or, on them. Pay, or pay a small fee. But it is—it's literally hundreds of thousands of acres of desert designated for people to go off roading, to drive their cars quickly, to camp out, do, do, do whatever they want. Um, to live the American dream. Live the American you dream. You find weirdly a lot of bullets around those yeah. places as well. There's shells, cast shells, cast them. You know, and, and this is the one thing about this car that really got me. Not only is it great fun to drive sideways, makes you feel like a god because everything's happening at much slower speeds, the margins are fatter and all this sort of stuff. But I feel like, yes, if you buy a Huracan STO, you might... Uh, take it on some nice road trips you may attend a track day if you're quite brave it's it's, it's a lot of money to be hooning around with mm. you know sort of mod- jeopardy there. modified three series uh, and everything else on the track day whereas with this you just need to find somewhere with a loose surface with a bit of space and you can fully just let but, cut loose uh, look listeners we're just gonna let you into a secret here Jack didn't have to pay for the car like, to, to drive it around the desert. If you spent £233,000, mm. that's 30 grand more than a Huracan Technica, which is yeah. a big purchase in itself. Are you just going to throw this and just hear the pings of the, um, of the rocks and the rubble? Ground yeah. off. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, I think that Jack just wanted to fulfil his quota of most heroic photographs in the magazine. And you know, we normally give away a calendar at the end of the year with like our favourite shots from the year in it. Jack's already got, you know, January through June sorted for next year because between the Dakar and the desert, the Dakar and the snow, now the absolute sand plume coming off the back of the Storato in these beautiful yeah, photos in the Mac here. It's wonderful. The sand does this incredible thing in photos. So when, when the, the tyres are rotating, the spokes of the wheel kind of pick up the um, sort of pockets of sand in kind of waves and chucks them up. So you get, it almost looks like kind of sound waves reverberating off the wheel. Yeah, like you can see the V10. It's, yeah. it's lovely, lovely shots. They Mark Riccioni. Mark Riccioni share shot those. Well done, so Mark. He, well, uh, Mark. Yeah. Shout out to Mark. Um, but it, but look, it, it's born out of a fact that all these manufacturers, these supercar manufacturers, sports car manufacturers, no, you can't just keep adding power and performance you can't just a car can't just keep getting faster around a track and faster in a straight line and you know have bigger numbers because ultimately there's only so much you can use and i i I feel with me with us i think there's certainly a weariness that it it doesn't to just say a car has 1200 horsepower anymore doesn't do it doesn't do it um so they have to find new avenues to to fun and uh, this thing doesn't have any more power doesn't have any particularly uh, interesting kind of tech setup it's just a new idea and and that's what makes it exciting yeah it's yeah it's set up like was it 30 mil wider mm. and, and you know a bit more lift yep 
some you say chunky Bridgestone tyres. Yeah, I mean, you, you say you're not up for the more power, but when they do the Revwell Toasterato, yeah, well, I did <laughs> suggest that, I it. did suggest that to the chief technical officer called uh, Reuven Murr, who was out there. Yeah. Um, he's brilliant, by the way. He's so so into it, so into the product that he's just he's just like I, I thought he was one of the journalists to begin with. He's just there, just <laughs> pouring over the cars, grinning. He just loves it. Um, but I did, did say, yeah, Revwell Toasterato next, and he's like, you think? Would you like that? And I'm like, yes. You know, I'm a journalist. Yeah. I want silly things to drive. We want silly things to drive. So, um, yeah, look, it's a massive thumbs up for me. The big question, that or a 911 Dakar? I think we're going to have to throw it over to the listeners, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to throw it over to the experts. Um if you're listening on Spotify right now, we've got this uh, functionality where um, head down below the description and you'll see um, a question there. So get involved. Tell us which one would you prefer? The slightly louder, flashier, faster Lamborghini Huracan Storato or the more, it's more resolved. thoroughbred yeah. 911 Dakar? Yeah. With its motorsport heritage. Mm. Doesn't have exposed rivets on it like the Lamborghini. No. So. no. What, what, what would you have? Come on. Uh, oh, good. Uh, I'd probably have the Storato. Nice. I'd go the Dakar. Casting boat, managed driven both. Storato. Oh. There we go, Lambo special, knew it. But, I mean, just to be sure, we need to get those two cars together, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. We, need some, we need some science to this. Um, anyway, if we keep going through the mag, did you come up with this headline? This is a yeah. good one. What a headline. Sex and Musk and Stock and Trolls. Um uh, so this is tw- 20 years of Tesla, really. And so Tom Ford went and drove a new um, Model S. So it's a Model S Plaid track pack. So I think they've upgraded the tyres and the brakes and, and, and a couple of other things to make it. They needed to. They needed to. to make <laughs> this it. is the one that can do the ring record, which keeps trading hands every five seconds, doesn't it? The, the electric four-door saloon yeah. lap of the ring. But yeah. yeah, they needed to homologate that, I guess. So this yeah. is your. It's a five-seat saloon that can hit two hundred miles an hour. You know, two seconds to not sixty-two, basically, and it yeah just looks like a still yeah. to me slightly humdrum car. It's still the not, performance is mad. The performance is is mad, and they have found a way to make it get around a racetrack very quickly. But as you suspect, it's still a big, heavy electric car. It's its natural habitat still isn't the racetrack. But what it actually did was um sparked an idea. Did you know Tesla's twenty years old? That's is gone, it really yeah. It's gone quickly, isn't it? Blimey. So that got us thinking, and, and, and Tom actually put together this this timeline of this meteoric rise of Tesla with a few rather large hiccups along the way. Um, and the fact that, as many people won't know, it wasn't founded by Elon Musk. I know. It, it, it's funny, actually. I've, I've read that fact. I'm aware of that fact, and mm. I've read it a number of times. Every time you read it, you go, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's an easy one to forget, isn't it? But there we go. Tesla's he's a brand ambassador. He's done pretty good things, has not he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair play to him. He's he's raised the profile he's slowly. Raised the stock price. He shot one and of then cars lowered into it space again, and then raised it again, <laughs> yeah. and then lowered it again. Hence but, the um, stocks of the headline there. But yeah, if you're interested in Tesla, there's everything you need to know basically in that feature. Um, and then, Winter Mr. The, Q. This is my what have deep you been dive. Musing on. Well, this was, you packed me off to see the MG, here we go, Cyberster? Cyberster. Cyberster. MG's new electric sports car with an unpronounceable name. I'm not sure where the emphasis goes. Cyberster. MG 
which is you know known in Britain for kind of three different types of car. There's your classic British sports cars of the you know 50s, 60s, you know your MGBs and all this sort of thing. There's the MGs of the late 90s and early 2000s, which are all brightly coloured Rovers with oh, yeah. chicken wire stapled to them. Yep, yep. And then there's the MG of today, which is the badge. The octagon badge from the old days, but it's a it's a Chinese car company. It's been bought out by the Chinese, and it's their sort of European heritage outpost. But they're trying to go back to the roots. They are promising that there's going to be a two seat sports car next year called the Cyberster, which uh, has a long bonnet and a short tail, and will have between three hundred and five hundred horsepower, depending on if you have single motor at the rear or four wheel drive. And it's going to have a proper soft top like the good old days. And I'm thinking blimey like you know maybe the electric box that it's coming isn't going to have its you know it, all, all its own way is this the moment where you know you buy a chinese car because you want one rather yeah. than because it makes you know financial, financial sense, sense to yeah. do so so yeah. yeah we've um we've done a bit of a dive into this in the issue haven't we because i started number crunching on the chinese car industry and it is bonkers like you think of geely which has bankrolled the current you know lotus fight back and the volvo and polestar becoming these huge um so they challenges they gotta be the biggest or, or you'd think, top, you'd think yeah. you think yeah you top, think top two Geely three would least. be this kind of like death star among car makers this absolutely indomitable force they're the seventh biggest car maker in china what like it's absolute they're the aston villa of Chinese car makers. It's unbelievable mm. that there's so many... Sorry, the any one, Villa fans listening. They included my brother, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the top one, SAIC, they sold, I think it's like 13 million cars worldwide. Sorry, sorry, 30 million cars in China last year. The entire Volkswagen group, you know, think all the brands in the Volkswagen group, not just Volkswagen, but, you know, Lamborghini, Audi, Skoda, worldwide, they sold 12 million. So I just, think they're the biggest exporter now as well. Yeah, they're just it's the the numbers are astronomical and now they're coming for the heartland stuff. They're coming for the sports cars and I'm just really interested because sports cars aren't really a big market. We know this that there are no Mazda MX-5 rivals anymore for very good reason because you know it's a tough sell and you know we think that the next that there won't be another BMW Z4 and the TT is being killed off. Coupes, two-seater sports cars, they're a tough sell. It's much much easier to go and build a crossover now on SUV. And your MG are going, "No, here we go. You're going to get the wind in your hair and enjoy the silence." So So what do we know about the car cuz cuz I cuz I I do realize it was somewhat of a hostile pass when you went, "Great, yeah, MG Cyberset. I'll, I'll go and learn everything I need to know about this car." There isn't much information there about are a bit- it. They're a bit short on numbers at the moment. Like I said, we think it's going to be between 300 and 500 horsepower, single or dual motor. It's definitely going to be two seats. They're saying price between 50 and 60,000 pounds, which for the amount of performance should be a bargain. But an MG dealership is currently populated by a not very good super mini, a you know, reasonable electric estate car and the Top Gear award winning MG4, which is actually a really, really creditable electric hatchback. And, and I'm seeing everywhere now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Buying them in, road, those, yeah. in those yeah. crazy Be- orange and blue colours. Because you can get one now, whereas the much worse and more annoying to operate Volkswagen ID3, yes, it's got the more familiar badge, but it takes them a lot longer to get it to you. So the MG's more available, it's more affordable, it's better to use, it's actually quite fun to drive. So, they're, you know, they're onto a success story so here. But next to your you... disappointing MG3 is going to be yeah. parked a Cyberster with a sticker price of probably 65, 70 grand, exactly. let's be and yeah. are you going to walk past the new electric Alpine that's coming and the electric Cayman and Boxster and the electric Lotus that's going to come and go and buy 
an MG because of the heritage that, you know, your granddad used to tinker with one on a Sunday morning in the garage. I think it's a really fascinating um, prospect. But yeah, we're not quite sure on all the numbers yet. Those are guesstimates. We don't know how heavy it's going to be. It's probably going to be a lot. You'll look at the pictures of the interior in the mag and you'll go, crikey, it's got a sort of built-in PlayStation into the dials and a yoke steering wheel and, you know, this incredibly futuristic cockpit. And then you go and talk to MG and they're like, ah, yes, that's all still quite... Um, concept Kari. Um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna change a lot of that. But at least stuff like the fundamentals, you know, the driving position looks low. You're not sat on a big pile of batteries. And like I said, it's not got a folding hard top. Where so do it's the not batteries the, go? Well, they're still working that out. <laughs> I, the thing is, it's got this long bonnet. It's a classical sports car dimension. So I'm wondering if they've piled the batteries up in the Oof, front. That but, would be understeer city. Yeah, instead it? of just being <laughs> me wildly speculating on whether or not the production car will have butterfly doors, like the one we're, we're photographing here, I've just sort of really got my head into the scale of the Chinese car industry and, you know, how worried how excited perhaps should we be because every time europe has underestimated another car market we've you know in the old days people were snobby about japanese cars and then they and, destroyed the british yeah. car industry then it was the koreans wasn't it you know 20 years ago the idea of a desirable hyundai would have been obscene and now you've got people you've got millionaires collectors queuing up to buy the hyundai envision 74 going please put this into production yeah, yeah. i'll pay you you know more money than the GDP of most countries to own one. But <clears throat> I'm not sure about you boys. I had to go to school. Well, I felt like I had to go back to school the other day. Every day is a school day. But just to learn all these new Chinese brands that yep. are coming, because the cars are coming thick and fast, and we've got all the legacy brands, we're going to need a, like a whole <laughs> new top trumps for just Chinese cars. And some yeah. of the company names are pretty interesting. I remember Build Your Dreams is, is yeah, a good one. Aura. Great Wall. Aura, Aura, which build the funky cat and the lightning cat. Exactly. But also then Hi-Fi, Zika. I've had to learn about that. Isn't that a virus? Well, yeah, not good for fertility. Yeah, be be careful. Blimey. Way, X-Peng. Oh, Way. No, just pause on Way, because I remember, was it it the Munich Motor Show we saw them? Yeah, the tech one. Yeah, Yeah, and their their first two cars, Coffee 1 and Coffee 2. Yeah. I just mm. thought the translation was just wrong. All they were just reading the coffee machine. It was between an espresso like, and a macchiato. Instagram and like, what do young people like? Cats. We'll call the car the young... Or <laughs> funky cats cat, and coffee. Lightning cat. Right now, coffee's big. <laughs> Protein so shakes. The way. X-Peng pumpkin spice latte. What's going on? But they've been in the number jumble, or the, the word jumble for sure. But they are building cars and selling them like you have investigated. I just got your protein shake joke. Yeah. Sorry. And meanwhile, you a few years ago, didn't you, Ryan? You went and did your own sort of investigation into Neo because they're they're trying to stop you charging your electric car and instead battery swap the swap. whole battery out of the car. How does that work? Yeah, I I went uh, to China and for the first time uh, before COVID, uh, and it kind of blew my mind because I felt like I was in Mystic Meg's actual crystal ball <laughs> because everything that <laughs> oh, I was I initially seeing then has come true now. Like, not just because of the pandemic, but just technology and how stuff is integrated, QR codes especially. I went to a KFC and there was no one there. I was like, is this closed? No. An unmanned KFC. Scan the QR code and then the colonel is just somewhere and then he makes your chicken for you. What's and then this bring got it. to do with battery swapping an electric <laughs> anyway, car? Anyway, so the technology <laughs> that we don't quite have here, the battery swapper technology, range anxiety, oh, it's a nightmare, it hasn't got enough charge, got not, not got enough charging stations, especially in an urban environment. Mm-hmm. With the Neo, we went from um, Beijing to Shanghai, all on the motorways, and you just pop into a service station, put your car on some automated ramps, it gets swallowed into a 
kind of shipping container, unscrew a couple of bolts, take the battery out, put a freshie in, and then you're off. What does a does a, a worker come and do that no, for you? It's a robot. It's completely automated. All, completely and how automated. long does that take? Like half an hour? Six minutes. Oh my lord. Which is, you know, if you go in, fill up with fuel, find a little glove because you don't want to touch someone else's hand on the pump and then go and pay, have a leak, come back in, that's six minutes easy. Yeah. But also, I found the solution for the urban environment. You ran a Honda E, didn't have charging at the time. We'd never know what to do. If you like book your slot in to go to this charging station on a Sunday afternoon or something, a bit like an Ocado or a delivery service, something like that, and say, oh, going to go sort my battery, you know, in six minutes, but have this slot. You're good for another however many miles your car does yeah, yeah. for a week. So that's how you do it. Now, and MG, they take up little is footprint. It, but isn't the problem the, the price of each station, you know, is... That's not our many... problem. The Chinese economy could work that one out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're selling lots of things. <laughs> but the, yeah, the, the MG can't do this as far as we know, the battery swap. But that is a great example from Rowan there of just how mad the sort of domination that's incoming of the you know their, their, their ideas know no bounds their budget has no limits and yeah every time people have been complacent about far eastern car industry they've tended to regret it so but it was my first time driving go. an actual chinese you know designed built car properly and they're not as bad you know like you said the stigma against japanese and korean cars They've really done their homework and looked at everyone and hired some proper people from you they've know traditional the yeah, talent, yeah, yeah, traditional people. So you know they're not they're not shabby cars at all. No. So um, and I thought we were going to get a nice you know light-hearted piece about a, a shiny red sports car, but no, a deep dive into the full the, investigation, the behemoth car industry in China, and then in the the wonderful nature of Top Gear and how things just change and how the flat plan just moves and we, we, we cover all aspects of motoring. You turn from that an incredibly intelligent deep dive into the Chinese car industry into a man who is a psychiatrist who has a satanic Porsche 964 and drives around Tokyo. A Japanese man. Japanese yeah. man. Yes. Um, so oh, Sorry, a satanic Porsche 911. What on earth are you talking about? This is a man who is in love with the devil and uh, also reads people's minds for a living and tells them how to fix them. Uh, and then he, when he's not at work, he then drives in a raw welt. So if anyone's not seen those, they're the super wide-bodied, I've cut my arches and I'll rivet some more on, big-winged 964 um, around the streets of Tokyo yeah. you know, after work. And it's dedicated to the devil. Um, this is a Mark Riccioni um, shoot and production. He wrote it as well um, when it met this this guy. Um, you know, fair, fair play, Mark. You know, it's awesome. Why the picture's not go, awesome. The story's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Shot, shot a night in yeah. Tokyo. It's, it's, it's spectacular. If you want some mad car culture, then head to the retro section of uh, the latest issue. All right. Should we have a little go at the quiz then? Yeah, let's end with a quiz. And um, actually, I've got a uh, official Quizmaster rule change to inform you of. Stand by. Um, I'm terrified. Uh, Moving the goalposts. Hopefully in my favour because I always lose. (laughs) Well, yeah, this might help you out, Rowan, into your wild imagination. So we've had some feedback from a listener. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Dalton, Dalton Baker, uh, commented to say, idea for the top nine quiz. When it's a guess that Ollie hasn't got on the list, but should have been, Maybe that. I mean, person, that happens literally multiple times. It's probably every why month. Dalton's come up with this with this killer idea. Dalton, Maybe they should genius. get half a point. Now he's been very kind and very diplomatic and said, but only if your other competitors agree that that was a legitimate answer and it should have been on the list. What do we think? Are we going to allow that, or is it just my decision? Oh, it's going to get me more points, so I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, no, your decision. You're you're the um, you're Queen Quizabeth. You know, it's your. <laughs> It's your call, ultimately. <laughs> right, so from now on, you can award yourself, you at home as well, half a point if 
you think it's a worthy answer, but I haven't got it. Yeah, right. go ask a relative if they agree, or the postman, yeah, or check someone out. Yeah, the the the, the come on, what's, so, the, what's the topic? Armed with this exciting new knowledge, today I'm asking for Top Gear's top nine road legal cars with a central driving position. Uh, a silence speaks volumes. Uh, I'll go first. Right, Jack's off first. Here oh, we go. Okay, you got in there first. I'd like to get a point in the bag, please. I'll go with the Gordon Murray T50. You're saying that so unsure. You really don't trust no, me. No, I was halfway through it and saying, well, I should have said his other car. But and then and I, don't I, worry, I'll I'll give, that I know how your lists are made, and yeah. if you did one of them, you probably wouldn't do both of them. Anyway. I don't want to give too much away, but the Gordon Murray T50 is a correct answer. Well done, Jack, of course. You sit in the middle. We haven't sat there yet, but we have sat either side of mm. Dario Franchitti while he deafens us, deafens us with a 12,000 RPM V12 video on YouTube featuring the mag. Go check him out. Bish, bash, bosh. Well, <laughs> straight, you hit me with that surf. I'm going to go forehand straight back. McLaren F1. Top spin. I mean, it's not a surprise to say that that's a correct answer as yes. well. On the list... I combine these two because the T50 is the successor to the McLaren F1. I combine this as one, but I'm not going to I'm not going to be unfair, especially as this is the new caring, sharing, kind, gentle to your skin top gear top 9. You've done something to him Dalton. So <laughs> yeah, he's changed. I'm a changed man. So yeah, let's give um, let's give Rowan a point. Okay, right. Uh next up, uh, another car that I've Yes, I have driven it. Um I've also rolled down a hill in it with the engine off, pretending that I was driving it, but that's another story. The Zinger 21C. Uh, the 3D printed. The 3D printed hypercar, the hybrid hypercar made by Kevin Zinger. Laguna Seca lap record holder, I believe, is it? Yeah, but I mean, it's like a early prototype, and I was like, this is great. He's like, yeah, it's pretty much all going to change. It's like, oh, okay, so that was... Jack, I'll put you out of your misery. You are winner, winner, chicken Zinger. That is the correct <laughs> answer. <laughs> The um, I, I hesitated to include it because yes, you are you know central driving position, tandem seating, it's got that. But is it a road car? Is it a finished car? I mean, when you drove it, the roof. Blew I drove out it of on it. the road. Yeah, but then the roof fell off. Yeah, no, that was on the track. <laughs> um, it's still yeah, not no, a common occurrence. The roof didn't fall off; it peeled back at uh, a high and flew speed. off. At which point they said, "Yes, yeah, sorry, we've you know we we just glued this together for for sort of show car spec," and it's like. And then let me drive it around Willow Springs. Mm. 1,200 horsepower, like Rowan says, 3D printed um, bits and bobs in the engine bay. It's an incredible looking thing. And yeah, that's that's the new top jet fighter for the road, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Rowan, what you got? Can you just go through the rules again? Not the rules of the whole game, but what's what are we trying to do? Was it road cars? Single, central seating, central seating top position. Gear, top nine road cars with a central driving position. Okay, so you don't need to be flanked by passengers. No, I didn't say that. Well, I'm going to go for the BAC Mono then. Oh. The, the, the perfect car for lonely people. A Top Gear fave. Yeah. Don't have any mates, just go on a track day with your BAC Mono, it's fine. Mm. I don't want to read too much into that, but it is a correct answer from Rowan, particularly because if you Google Top Gear back mono, all the photos are of you driving one with your mirrored shades yeah, on. Yeah, and someone photoshopped my hair to be ginger. Nothing wrong with that, Jack. But like, whoa, I, whoa, whoa, it's whoa. not. Yeah, it's not. Don't a, be gingerist. It's it's not an active. You know, it's not a proper representation of my hair color. Regardless but of your you should be lucky. Follicle so challengeness. Yeah, the the mono is the ultimate selfish car, isn't it? It's kind of like a Formula 
car for the road um, made by the Briggs Automotive Company. And it's just all about the build quality, isn't it? It's not like a one-seat caterer or anything like that. This thing is like Pagani spec attention to detail. And I've had the pleasure of driving one myself and it would definitely be in my 10-car lottery garage. And also, it's the only car you can happily piss yourself in and it's fine because the seats uh, don't <laughs> that absorb exciting. it. exciting. Yes, exactly. Which yeah. is it's surprisingly high up on Rowan's criteria for buying a car. Yeah. Moving um, swiftly on. I mean, we've had two guesses each, chaps. Do we want to do, because there's only the two of you today, do you want to do one more guess each? Yes, definitely. Okay, when, right. When there's two players, three guesses each. All right. On your hat trick then. Um, all right, so I'm going to go with something that I saw on topgear.com just this past week. So we have a retro review regular where we sort of surface interesting stuff we've driven in the past. Uh, and there was something that Tom Ford drove called a Tremonta. And a Tremonta V12. There may have been Spanish. Yes. Spanish. Tramontana. Tramontana. All right, go on then. Get your Duolingo out, boys. Come on. We need to work this one out. We've only just got over what, the yeah. Maserati what, paint. What you said is the one with the, you know the one. It's the, another jet fighter-y canopy, yeah. canopying thing for the roads and... I think Dalton might have his first half point oh. recipient because I didn't have it on my list, but it is unarguably a tandem middle seater. So I mean, it, yeah, it is. I mean, Ro, I guess I guess incorrect answer. You're not going to deny me this three I'm, half point. I we'll go I'm for confused the, by this because is it a central seating position or a single seater? It's That's a central seating position. Are you if you've got back, between you've the just got a point for back mono, mate. You can't turn down. Yeah, no, I know. So are we gone. Right. Well, so, no, I'm. Go- I'm. I'm. I just want to talk about this car. And I'm going to lose because it's not a road car. But the 208 T16, Seb Loeb's, uh, the best recycling project in history, where they took the LMP1 car, Peugeot's LMP1 car, stuffed all its oily gizzards into a hatchback and then just sent it up a big hill in um, Colorado. But he had a central seating position and it was just awesome. I suppose you could argue that, uh, was it paved? At the time, it was a paved road. Yeah, there we go. And you could just uh, put a number. A paved they didn't road even car. Try and SVA it. How lazy! Of when them. you say road car, do you mean it well, has an just, MOT? You just arrived at my point, chaps. That can't be a correct answer, Ryan. That's incorrect. <sighs> I asked for road cars Is with it a, a central driving what's position. What's a 208? Yeah, a standard Peugeot 208, like <laughs> 1.2 litre, <laughs> is a road car. It's but a the Pikes Peak one is absolutely not. It's been I'm marginally afraid. modified. I can't allow that. I mean, I'm sure by next week there'll be another rule that you're allowed it if it's got a nice paint job, but I'm not today. So that leaves you stranded on two points. And Jack, thanks to the new half-point rule, is this edition's winner. Dalton, the check's in the post. (laughs) (sighs) That felt great. Rowan's shaking his head. I I can't do many more of these chaps. I just can't take it. (laughs) Um, Scrape yourself off the floor. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you use, you lose most uh, pods, so, you know, you should That's be used fine. to it by it's now. That's fine. It's just fine. I'll come back with those half points eventually. But anyway, we should wrap it up there. And there's lots and lots going on in the car world, which Top Gear is all across. Mm-hmm. And you can see all the latest news and reviews on topgear.com. And if you want to be in bite-sized form, or we'll across our social media in Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. TikTok. Tick. Tickety tockety, and yeah. but also there's videos on YouTube constantly. A lot more coming down the pipeline, mm-hmm. um, and you can, you can even uh, pick yourself up a copy of the magazine. But also, if you could please rate this podcast and review it, um, tell I think, your friends, like and subscribe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it helps us be seen somewhere. But yeah, please keep scrubbing and fill in the the 
the pod description form if you're on Spotify and let us know for any tweaks and changes and what you want to see and hear about. Let us know what you want more of. As you can see from Dalton's fantastic suggestion, we are capable of putting things into action literally off the cuff with a minute's notice. Especially when Jack wins the quiz. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one.